0: This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks for joining me today and welcome, as always, a special welcome to those of you that are listening for the very first time. We're going to cover another subject today that might seem a bit um, off the beaten path, but it's something that that gets missed a lot uh, and it applies to all of us. It, It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, although it might apply more to those that are up and coming in UX. But there's something here for all of us to consider. And and the funny thing is, as we develop in our UX careers, no matter how far along you might be, it doesn't mean that you've experienced UX from a broad perspective, so you're going to see what we're going to cover today and how that applies to you. The subject we're going to cover today is the UX practitioner assembly line, and this has to do with our development. Before we ramp up today, though, I do want to give an acknowledgement, Um, and it is uh, with great sadness that um, I actually lost a very dear friend of mine um who was, uh, I won't get into the details, but I lost a very dear friend of mine who passed away um roughly a week and a half ago and, and that person has been near and dear to me, very close to me and uh, over the years and really one of the reasons that I've had success on this podcast is because of that individual um because that person was a on the radio, You're locally in the Metro Detroit area where I reside. That person was uh, a sound engineer and really knew so much. I would not have achieved the quality of sound that I've achieved on this podcast without that person's input, without that person's education, without that person's guidance. Uh, I'm not going to say the person's name. Uh, but uh, just gonna gonna miss that person dearly. I'm very very uh, um, very happy and very fortunate to have been impacted by him, uh, and I'm gonna gonna miss him tremendously. So, and I'm starting to choke up just a tad. So, but uh, gonna miss my friend uh, D. I'll just say D. Uh, and some of the people listening to the podcast actually know who he is. So, just giving him a shout out. Today, I would not be where I am uh, with my quality, with my direction, with my ear, uh, had it not been for the the input and the guidance that I received from him uh, over some many, many, many years. Uh, So just just thankful and just want to have a moment that I'm dedicating to him. So let's go ahead and get into this topic, folks. The UX practitioner assembly line. And, and yeah, I'm using a metaphor again. And, and this time I want, I want people to picture, a uh, an automobile that's being assembled. Of course, we're talking about assembly line, right? So you've got a vehicle and, and I'm not well versed in what happens with the vehicles as they're assembled. What I do know is that the vehicles are put together piece by piece. They are put together in a very methodical way, and it, it, the the people who are behind this assembly pay painstaking attention to detail to make sure that the vehicles are, are assembled in, in a high-quality manner. It's got to look good. It's got the function well, and, and there's a lot of pieces that need to go into place, or else you end up with a car that's basically missing something. And the bottom line is when that vehicle comes off the assembly line, it should be able to execute um, on on all fronts from all aspects. And and I, when I began to think about a vehicle on the assembly line, and I thought about UX professionals and the the way that we develop throughout our our career, I began to see a lot of similarities. And I also, as you know on this podcast, I I will be very holistic and I look at things from a lot of different angles, whether things are going well and when they're not going well, things that we need to, to be aware of and things that we need to pay more attention to, just covering everything because if you, if you only look at certain things that make you feel good, you're going to slip into toxic positivity. If you only look at things that make you feel bad, if you only look at things that, that send you down the road of the old cartoon character when I was a kid called Glum, everything you see, you're, you're, you're naysaying, uh, then now you're being cynical. Now you're, you're, you're not having a balanced frame of mind if you go in either direction. So I look at everything. Because it's important if you're doing something well, you want to be aware of that if If you're excelling at something, you want to be aware of that. If you're doing something and you're falling short, you want to be aware of that. If you're doing something and you're doing it pretty well, but it can be tweaked a little bit, you want to be aware of that. If you're doing something and you are just dropping the ball all over the place, you need to be aware of that and, and it's critical. From an emotional intelligence perspective, it's critical for us to have these very high levels of self-awareness. So whether we're doing things well, whether we're middle of the road, whether we're doing them in a very poor manner, we need whatever we need to maintain, whatever we need to improve. We need to be courageous, face it, own up to everything, celebrate the successes, uh, don't pat yourself on the back when you know you need to improve on something. Don't 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 wear the rose-colored glasses, as we used to say. We want to have really sound, balanced, accurate perspectives of ourselves. We want to have really strong self-awareness. When you're doing well, keep doing it. When you're not doing well, own it and get better. So it's really you. You get to the point when you're emotionally intelligent which is critical to success in UX. When you are emotionally intelligent, you don't see yourself fall short and then go into a pity party mode. You don't see yourself as being less skilled as someone else and then take that as a detriment or an insult to you professionally. Emotional intelligence is so important because that's how we keep our head on straight. So that said, back to the assembly line. Picture a vehicle. Again, this is a brand new vehicle that's being assembled. But this vehicle, this is a UX vehicle. This time, we're going we're going to go straight for the uh, uh, for the gusto on this one, and we're going to just just flat out look at this vehicle directly in parallel with the development of a UX professional. Now, say you wanted to this vehicle, this this person, this professional needs to have certain skills this 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 person this vehicle needs to be able to seat X number of people. in other words it needs to be able to 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 execute from several perspectives. It's going to need to be able to to be able to travel at certain speeds and so that means that the engine might need to be bigger or more powerful than another one you're starting to see the the metaphor here? Um, this particular vehicle, the way that it's going to be equipped, it's going to have a panoramic roof. So you're able to see more. And I I don't think I need to get into those types of, of parallels and describe that too much. I think, and I hope that folks already understand what it is that, that I'm trying to, the picture I'm trying to paint here. What if one vehicle represented a UX generalist, another vehicle represented a UX visual designer, Another vehicle represented a UX researcher. Another vehicle represented a UX writer. And and no, I know some of you heard me talk about UX writers before. No, I'm I'm still in the in the, in the camp where you got to convince me about that. I uh, as one, maybe I'm an outlier. I've said this before, uh, but I was a lot of things that those folks are doing. I've always done it in my practice, so I never saw it as something separate. It, it's something that the UX professional needs to be able to do. You need to be able to to look at what's going on with with copy, with text, and you need to be able to apply UX principles and heuristics so that you can optimize the copy. Now, there are some copywriters over there, and we don't need to be taking their jobs either, but I have worked hand-in-hand with copywriters in my in my career. They stay over there, and I stay over here. But I can. There are things I can contribute when it comes to UX writing, as people like to call it, or copywriting. So, if we want to make sure that we're we're writing at the proper grade level that matches the personas of our target audience, we want to make sure that the nomenclature and the taxonomies and the calls to action are labeled correctly. And that is an information architecture piece. The the other piece that a lot of people try to put off on the ux writers it should be a part of content strategy it's so people have come up with this ux writing thing I, again i'm not convinced folks i'm simply not convinced and, and i can't see somebody having 40 hours of work every week to dedicate to that especially when it should belong in the wheelhouse of the ux designers so as far as i'm concerned take all the writers and this is part of where we're going tonight and build them up when it comes to UX total and just get rid of the UX writer stuff and make all those people's designers. But you'll see what I mean by that in a moment. The fifth one that I had listed here was product designer. Now, again, generalist, UX visual designer, researcher, writer, product designer. I'm not, by mentioning these, I'm not saying any of these are good or bad. I'm facing the fact that these positions exist. But when you look at the assembly line, It's funny that a generalist is a person who many times a UX generalist or UX specialist, some people call them, will be in that position because they're skilled across several different aspects of UX. So therefore, they can apply their skill set and they can work across the board. They can get a lot more done when it comes to the breadth of the work. A UX visual designer only focuses on visuals, but they got the title UX visual designer, don't they? And like I said, I'm not saying that I I support that title either, but the truth is, if you go and look on Glassdoor or Indeed or on LinkedIn, you're going to see this position out there. Somebody out there is supposed to be doing it. Whether it's the UX visual designer, might as well hit all of these with one fell swoop the researcher, the UX writer, or the product designer. It's funny that people want to be UX visual designers. People want to be UX researchers, and they are. That That is, at least that's a legitimate one. We can say that. People want to be UX writers, and they want to be product designers, and they are. And all of these, if you look at the job descriptions in association with all of these titles, they all sound like legitimate UX operations, but here's what's missing. And think about that assembly line. Even if one vehicle is a visual designer and one's a researcher and one's a writer and one's a product and one is a product designer, you still need knowledge of UX. You still need a broad perspective. If you're a researcher, And this is happening a lot. And there's a ton of UX researchers and UX researcher roles out there. And people are conducting research, but they don't know anything about information architecture. They're conducting research, but they don't know anything about proper typography practices. They're conducting research, but they don't know anything. They don't have any heuristic knowledge. They have no personal heuristic repository. When you don't have a broad perspective of the entire discipline of UX, didn't say you had to be an expert, but you need to know something. You are going to have a very difficult time. It's practically impossible to be in one of those positions without having a broad perspective of UX because no matter where you are in the UX spectrum of operation, It takes knowledge of the discipline as a whole to really execute that other position that you're in with high levels of excellence. Go out to Glassdoor, go out to LinkedIn again, go to Indeed, look up a product designer role. One of the things that you'll find when you see these product designer roles is that the job descriptions sound like they're talking about a UX person. Interestingly, they a lot of times won't even hire a UX person, even though they advertise for one, but go figure. We'll address that or we'll talk about that a little bit more another time. But the thing is, they they want someone to do something associated with UX, at least they advertise that they did. A lot of times when the person goes into the role, they end up doing something completely different. So they they said that they want this person that looked a particular way and functioned a particular way hired the person, didn't have the person do something completely different. I have no problem with product design. It is true that product existed before UX became UX, if you will. And uh, it is now there. It's like they they took UX and they took the user centered part out of it and slapped the product design uh, label on people, and now they basically got a UX person that doesn't care about users. That's really a lot of times, that's what the product designer is. Um, but you technically, whether you like it or not, you're in the world of UX. And if you're in the world of UX, then you need to advocate for users. You're going to have a difficult time putting together a successful product if you are not going to pay attention to your users. And those same people that put you in those positions, when they stop, seeing the value, or I should say, they don't see any value, you're not bringing value for the business, they're gonna rethink that anyway. So you it's almost like you're in your best interest to try to make sure that you're doing something user-centered, because everything that all of us are doing is user-centered design, whether we like it or not, or whether anybody is claiming that title or not. We're all doing UCD. So when you look at the assembly line, Every car, certain cars might have specializations. Certain cars might be focused on certain types of performance in comparison to others. Certain cars might seat more people. But one of the things you will note about every vehicle, every vehicle has a steering wheel. Every vehicle has X number of wheels. Every vehicle has brakes. Every vehicle has a cooling system. Every vehicle has storage. Every vehicle runs oil. Every vehicle has brake fluid. Are you you getting this now? No matter what the vehicle is designed to do, no matter who the target audience is for a particular vehicle, whether it's an SUV, whether it is a a sports car whether it's a station wagon yeah they do still make those whether it's a regular family sedan whether it's whether it's a, a just a two a basic two-seater whatever it is all vehicles still have common elements and just like that every ux professional should have common elements from one to another there should be common elements and I'm here, To tell you today that those common elements have to revolve around the basic tenets of the discipline, no matter what a person's specialization is, no matter what a person's title is. You can't be a UX writer if you don't understand about UX, because everything we do ties back to the four pillars. Everything we do ties back to, to heuristics and usability, information architecture, UX research and different facets of research. Even if you're not a researcher, you still need to be aware of research. And then interaction and interface design. So everything ties back one way or another. Everything we do ties to these pillars. Go and do your research. Fine. Be a generalist. You're going to bounce around anyway. Focus on research. Do nothing but research. You're still going to need to know something about the other facets of the discipline so you have a better idea of what to perform research on. You'll have a better idea when your knowledge is broader about the discipline of UX you will have a better idea of how to design your research yes folks you can't just be a researcher researchers have to design research so that means that you need a broader set of knowledge you need to know more about how the human brain operates there's certain things associated with psychology that will come into that will come in handy and help us to to optimize our function in one of these positions, if you are a product designer, even if you are one of the people to just focus on certain certain things, and maybe your company is, they just will not let you do anything UCD oriented. What's to stop you if you want to excel at being a product designer? What's to stop you? from still doing things from a heuristic perspective. Heuristics will still either inform a new design, inform a redesign, or guide you so that you're not wasting the company's money and time on testing things that have already been proven through heuristics. Remember, heuristics are best practices, proven principles, common conventions. There's a whole host of data behind that. And if you don't, anybody who does not work Based on an extension of the four pillars is basically operating either from a bias perspective, a genius design perspective, or just an opinionated perspective. And and UX and opinions don't work well together. UX and egos don't work well together. Folks, you're on the assembly line, you're being put together. I don't care how many seats are going to be in your car, you better have some brakes. I don't care whether the car, there used to be a time that cars didn't come with air conditioning. I do not remember the last time I saw a car that didn't have air conditioning in it. But if, say, if you did or did not have air conditioning, you're still going to have a steering wheel. You're still going to have windows. You're still going to have a windshield. More than likely, you're going to have a defrosting element for the rear window. If you don't have a cooling system, you're still going to have ventilation. So every vehicle has certain things that it's going to have and if you have 50 vehicles on a lot those 50 vehicles have a lot of things in common and if we are going to drive this discipline the way that we should if we're going to excel the way that we should and could if we're going to bring value to our organization if we're going to represent the discipline properly and help the the C suite and our and our clients and our stakeholders to have confidence in us we need to build ourselves and make sure that we have these certain common denominators in place and that's what's going to help drive the discipline of UX today it's not common. We've got people that are coming off the assembly line with no wheels. We've got people that are coming off the assembly line of their own choosing, mind you, because some people choose to get educated their way instead of understanding how education works. And then when they come off, they don't have any wheels, and then people are sitting there happy because they've got a vehicle. They're happy because they've got a beautiful Mercedes-Benz, but they didn't bother to put a uh, an engine in it. They they uh, they've got this fantastic Bentley and they're telling everybody how proud they are of the vehicle, but it doesn't have a gas line in it. It's not going anywhere. Neither one of those vehicles are going anywhere. And these are the people who complain that they don't they can't get a job. You're not getting a job because you're not qualified yet that somebody is not convinced you're going to bring value and they're not going to hire you until they are convinced that you're going to bring value. And, and and I've said this before and I say it again. That exists even when you're a senior, even when you're someone at my level, you will have trouble finding jobs because, you know, the things just shake out in a really weird way sometimes. So so get used to that because that's going to happen your entire career more than likely. But... If you make sure you're qualified, if you make sure that you've got your wheels, you've got your windshield, you've got your steering wheel, you've got your gas line, you've got brakes, you can function, right? The fact that somebody hasn't bought you, you're the car on the lot. The fact that somebody has not quote unquote bought you doesn't take anything away from you. You're still a vehicle. You're still legit. You're still equipped. And someday, someday, Somebody's going to come in there and they're, you're going to be exactly what they need and they're going to take you home for their own. And, and so the parallels are the same. The metaphors should be painstakingly clear at this point. But let's go ahead and make sure that we get ourselves built. Stop jumping off the assembly line. Stop trying to go through so fast. We need to make sure that we're all together. And if you're missing something. Go back and get that part. If there's something about the pillars that that's not operative in your life as a UX professional, just go back and get it. No shame, no big deal. Just go and get it. Everybody can grow, everybody can thrive. And truth be told, there's enough positions for everybody. We just it just takes a while for all, all of us to, to line up and get it, what we're looking for today and what we need. So does everybody get it? I hope so. This is the UX practitioner assembly line. Keep this metaphor in the back of your mind and keep building yourself. Okay, good deal. Everybody got it. All right. That's all the time we have for today, folks. So this is Darren Hood, the host of the World of UX podcast, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody.